It can truly be said that I have skeletons in my closet. No, that's just bones in my cupboard. The coffee fix is in, and I have officially won yet again, and my wife just splurged on me with a Dr. Michael level of coffee, as there are now seven bags of material uh, overflowing my cupboard, and I'm, I'm not sure I will ever not be caffeinated going forward. I'm very excited about this. But the trick is, it won't take you four years to go through those bags of coffee. Yeah, hey, no. hey. It will not take me four years to go through mine either. I, if memory serves correct, I said that I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. So I, too, will be... I have been drinking bones literally daily. Now, I am very excited for you, Shane. Uh, the one flavor that I do not own slash haven't tried, because some of the mm-hmm. ones that you have that you sent over I have but have yet to get to. Mm-hmm. So I will get to kind of sample the wares there and, and pick your brain on those. But the Wonder Bones one that was in the picture that you <gasps> sent over, I am not familiar with that flavor, nor do I own it uh, currently. So it, it may be on the way out because that was uh, what we got as our, our special freebie gift for ordering. And so uh, it's wonderful. It is essentially a a salted pretzel flavor. And you wouldn't think that that would blend well with coffee, but oh, (laughs) I assure you it does. It's exquisite. It's buttery. It's it's unctuous uh, and just everything that you could hope to expect. And no, Courtney's not back on the podcast this week, but we do have a little femininity that is encroaching. And it's not just my breasts this week. But I believe by the mention of breasts, we should say by the eternal... Behold, Behold. it is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I am Michael. Michael. And of course, we have returning to us our great indentured servant, or, uh, you know, actually somebody who willingly chose to participate, but is the creator of our show artwork. And we may have to finagle something a little different going forward. Who knows? But, uh, of course, naturally, we want to keep me as the centerpiece because my vanity will not allow anything else. But if you've seen our picture somewhere, it is attributed to this wonderful woman, the bad artist, Jessie. Welcome back, dear lady. Hello. Thank you for having me back. And, uh, yes, I will reattach myself to my iPad and (laughs) make more art for you guys soon. Well, bless you. Uh, We're excited to see it and also excited to have you back for another discussion because your first uh, visit with us here was incredibly popular. And uh, there's a lot of Dungeons & Dragons fans out there. And so, obviously... I'm I'm giving up the ghost here, but you've you've read the title of the episode, so I'm sure if you're listening to this right now, you know what you're getting into. I but hope it's so. going to be an exciting time. And so, uh, what are we going to be discussing here, Miss Jess? Um. Well, D and D is no stranger to controversy, and there <laughs> there's been many throughout its history. I touched on a few of them. The first time I was here, as far as the legal disputes between Gygax and the company he helped, he helped found, TSR, mm-hmm. along with TSR's questionable business practices, which led to their downfall. I touched on Satanic Panic. Michael went very in-depth on it. And even more recently, with the release of their Spelljammer campaign last year, they there was a whole thing about that where the, I think it's pronounced Hadozi, were depicted as slaves in that. So people were not pleased, mm. rightfully so. Is that true? Did they really incorporate a slave race in their Yes, book? that is oh. true. I'm... 
I mean, if we're re- representing, uh, you know, a fantasy realm, I, I mean, a portion of this you'd have to imagine would follow our reality, but there are Ugh. space hamsters and then slaves following our reality. Wizards thought <laughs> nothing was wrong with having those two together. We have touched on space hamsters previously, but uh, mostly involved untrue stories about Richard Gere, but uh, we won't have to get any further uh, into yes. that. Uh, yeah. no, it's gerbils. It's fine. But that's a space and, hamster. It's a space heater. Yeah, exactly. And, and and they balance. You can't have slaves without space hamsters. You can't have space hamsters without slaves. I mean, yes. well, I mean they can bond with history. each other, you know, discussing their cages and the little balls that they're put in to walk around in. Mm. <laughs> y- yeah. That's oh. true. It's the secret of Nim all over again. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, the memories. Um, yikes. The bo- before we get in too deep, do you want to explain? The- I'm I Michael. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> do you? Uh, last last week was obviously an anomaly, and I am somewhat back to my senses now. But I was yes. moving in. I just wanted her to give us a segue so that okay. we could have a, a brief discussion. Teaser. Yes, uh, we're about- not discussing spell jammers, though. So I will say that. Okay, yes, cool. um, there's a completely new controversy surrounding D&D and that would be the revision of their open game license and we can go into that a little later but that's what we're going to be talking about it's uh, caused a whole dumpster fire Ooh, and Hmm. speaking of holes and dumpster fires and you know obviously things falling out of our ass like gerbils what we usually do on this show the few last few weeks notwithstanding is we like to talk about random esoterica and as we do so the person presenting lies occasionally that's part of the shtick that's the joy of the show and the co-hosts then have to attempt to not be mealy-mouthed stupefied and stumble-bummed and uh, try Uh. to figure out what those lies are in situ as they fall our direction and of course even if we don't get them as we listen there will be a denouement at the end of the show we'll explain what was lied about and why so that you all do not leave disinformed is that sufficient for you lord miguel as the new legal i i oh man i that quit message. <laughs> technically lord michael is actually on this side here if we count the principality of sealand you know you make oh. a fine point yes i i forget oh. that you've been duly bequeathed <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Well, legal is probably going to kick me off this podcast because um, I'm going to throw a wrench in your whole thing. I don't have any lies for you today. Oh, shit. That's a lie. (laughs) It is not. (laughs) Um, What is going on with the OGL is just really too important, I feel like, to lie about, even for a little bit. And Wizards of the Coast is doing plenty of lying for all of us here, though. What I thought I'd do since you guys were talking about changing it is go higher oh. PR nightmare with you. You know, what is the OGL? Why is this happening? The timeline. Oh god. We might have to yeah, I was gonna say, well you you may have to uh to do that one more time. Walk it back. <laughs> anyway. Do a little backpedaling like they did. Yes, they have As always, our best laid plans. <laughs> but uh, so someone else has been lying for you. Yes, you yeah, Wizards of the Coast. They're still lying, so it counts. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> lies involved. It's just not me. Um, but since y'all were 
talking about changing it up, but I thought I won't lie. And okay. we'll talk about this dumpster fire, the timeline of events. And towards the end, I'm going to read you Wizards of the Coast statement. And I want y'all to tell me what you feel is the bullshit because oh. there is plenty of it. And so okay. as I people like with some knowledge and passing interest in D&D, I thought it would be fun. <laughs> I just love watching Michael get supremely excited and just light up. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I like it. It's like we're instead of her lying, why not let the source lie let's, for her? Let's it's re-explain perfect. it again. Why don't we? Yeah. Let's, no, I, I, that's that's why I'm excited. I understand. Cool. I just I was enjoying your mirth. It's the first and last time. Anyway, it's true. he did light up like it was you know Christmas there. Yeah. It's not yeah. just like me and my Irish complexion and this poor ungodly lighting that I'm in, where I radiate just on general principle. Though you can't throw too much shade there, my friend, because uh, if memory serves correct, I've seen you light up. Uh, you know, anytime Stephen King gets brought up there and whatnot, I've seen you like a little kid on Christmas morning too. So let Michael no, have his moment. I I more fancy myself, and I'm damn it, I'm gonna lose it. But um, the character Alan Rickman played in Hitchhiker's Guide, I I'm just this you know suicidal robot. Just floating around, attempting to mimic oh, human emotion. Oh, the more recent one. I only like the '80s miniseries one. Wow, that one that was. Uh, here's your uh, here's your hipster button for the day. Congratulations! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it hipster. was made by the BBC, so it was more legit than the Hollywood. We're not <laughs> allowed to talk about that anymore. We don't discuss adult films on this show anymore. We've what? lost that part of the audience. <laughs> what a sad day. Uh, you can anyways, still have BBC. We just don't. We can't have it in our mouths uh, anymore. Oh, so we can't talk about BBC, but we can talk about hamsters going right up the yin yang. I mean, that's natural. <laughs> it's and all organic in space with low gravity. Oh, there's a true. whole new meaning to the word furry. Boldly uh, going where no where hamster no hath gone before. <laughs> all right, Jess, take us away. Alrighty, so open gaming license. What the heck is it? If you are the average D and D player like myself, you've probably never heard of it, seen it, know what it is. Um, it is in the back of most of your supplementary source material. Ooh. So if you do have a third party publisher D and D book lying around like this one, it is in the back. Um, for those of you at home, I'm holding up the Taldori Reborn campaign guide. Thank you. Since this is an audio podcast, not a visual one. Oh, Michael will get you onto a visual medium at some point in perpetuity. Uh, uh. Um, but in short, the open game license allowed for creators and publishers to make derivative work of D&D content without paying royalties or worrying about the possible legal ramifications of violating copyright laws. Um, it was created in... 2000 with the release of third edition Dungeons and Dragons and it quickly introduced homebrew books, unique character sheets, races and just a tons more stuff and it is directly responsible or contributed to the success of D&D across the globe now 
as it has seen major growth in the last 10 years. Well, I mean, you do want folks to feel as though they can express themselves and be imaginative just beyond the bounds of what's published, because yeah. otherwise you can you can run through campaigns pretty quickly if you're very dedicated. So obviously, yeah, let folks sort of write their own stories. Exactly, yeah. And that's the fun of Dungeons & Dragons is the storytelling piece of it. That's why Gloom is my favorite card game. I've never played. Oh, it's delightful. You simply must. Particularly Wait, if you have Gloom my Haven? predilection. No, Gloom. Just okay. Gloom. So the, the story, not to derail, but uh, very quickly, is it, you are supposed to try to make – you have a family or that you're representing, and all of the players all have families in these cards. And you are supposed to try to cause them to have as much undue harm as possible and make them as miserable as you can and then kill them. And that is how you get the highest score. And so then you, as a player trying to sabotage the other folks playing, try to make nice things happen to them. And so you tell a story about all of these sort of circumstances that befall folks as you place the card. And so you're kind of explaining the things that happened to either make these folks happy or sad and then eventually lead to their demise. It's uh, it's a very fun game, huh. glorious storytelling opportunities, and you can make your family uncomfortable, as I have on many occasions whilst playing that. Anyway. <laughs> Check it out. Huh. Okay. Will do. It's on the list. Uh, but recently, within like the last year, they uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that they were going to be revising the 5e system, and they're calling that system 1D&D, and part of that revision was revising the open game license. Rumors about a new OGL began mid-December, so just in the last month. Uh, it was reported that Wizards of the Coast met with a handful of third-party publishers to go over the new license. However, that license got leaked to the public on January 5th of this year and was dubbed OGL 1.1. And it did spark outrage amongst the community because it aims to deauthorize the original OGL, <gasps> restrict creators, and demand royalties from practically anyone making money off of D&D. So to well, the average, oh, sorry, go. No, I was just going to say, when you say anyone making money, isn't it only people like the royalties? Doesn't that just kick in for anybody making more than 750000 Oh. So like that's a substantial, I mean, yeah, it's not like somebody, you know, bringing home a few hundred dollars or, or making a living off of being a DM, for instance, is going to, would be getting taxed. If, if you're making seven hundred and fifty k plus, maybe you could, I mean, an argument could be made to fork over some cash in terms of royalties because you're making a pretty good amount of well, coin. The wording of it is funny. We'll go over the tier structure that is listed okay. in the document as well. But there's three tier structures and the wording of the second tier is, it's a little sus. No tears, please. Yeah, I, I'm not it's advocating one way or the other. Suffering. I'm just saying the argument could be made from what I, from my limited understanding of it, but I'm excited to dig into Ooh, it. So we have a devil's advocate over here. It's always good to have. But uh, to the average player, it really has no effect on how we play the game and what we do on our table. We can make up our own rules and say, fuck you, wizards, we're, we're, we'll do what we want. Ooh, you're fucking wizards on the table now. It has hard. happened. <laughs> well, if it's not hard, Hello. it's not fucking. It's more friction. Just super hard to get the D20 out once it's rammed up there, though. <laughs> well, that's that attitude. why you lead with the hamster and allow them to push it out. It's just, I you know. Lead with the D4. 
You gotta oh, count no. up Don't before do that. the sexy. Well, <laughs> it's not anal beads made out of dye. <laughs> Although I am sure those I exist. Am, I, I am, am positive those exist somewhere. And if they Incognito don't, mode, disinformed should copyright that, and we have <laughs> we have some money maker right there. The only problem will be once we start making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars off these anal beads. <laughs> well, they can't copyright die like d twenties. Like they can't copyright the fact that it's a twenty sided die. Perfect. Our anal bead plan is back on track. Then, <laughs> uh, yeah. Already, Already lamenting, lamenting doing, doing this. this. I can, I can see. see just. Just. <laughs> no, um, I was just gonna say, go off on a small tangent Ooh. on Critical Role. Recently, they spent like the first hour. Uh, trying to fake an orgy to get out of combat. It was hilarious. I mean, yeah. it's perfectly orgy. reasonable. Fucking wizards on the table does happen in yeah. D&D. I mean, you'd hope. Otherwise, you got a lot of scantily clad people for no reason. It's supposed to be easy access. This is true. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get back on track. <laughs> I'm sorry. Welcome to the world. Yeah, um, it can cause harm to the community at large by changing the OGL. Many content creators like Critical Role and Dimension 20 could be affected. Freelancers like Grant Howitt, who made several of the one-shots that we have played on After Dark. Which are delightful. Yes, I love it. If you haven't seen, go check those out on our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. If you're seeing this on a short, I'd recommend you click the button. Because Michael would absolutely erupt right now and if he smash knows. smash that like button. <laughs> we'll wait. That's uh, a other... critical role. <laughs> other TTRPGs like Pathfinder, as well as publishing companies like the Griffin Saddlebag and Kobold Press, who are third-party publishers, could potentially lose content and revenue from this restrictive open game license. And a big question that was going around was, why now? The original OGL has been there for 23 years, allowing creators to make new content for D&D. And it's been in place without any major changes or edits. And I say major changes or edits because if you look up the original open game license, there's two references to it. One is OGL 1.0 and the other is OGL 1.0A. I could not find anywhere that said when A came into existence and what the difference between the two was. So if there was a change, it was small enough that people weren't mad about it. Also, when fourth edition came out, it was it was published under a completely different license called the Gaming System License. And I didn't read that one. It was described by others in the community as draconic and restrictive. So OGL 1.1 may be open the Gaming System License version 2. But I didn't want to focus so much on that since it's not going to be the one that is authorized moving forward. Yeah. Do you have any guesses as to why now, after the 23 years, they might be doing it? I do. Um, there is a lot of speculation that this change is actually coming from Wizards of the Coast parent company, which is Hasbro. Um, Hasbro has seen a significant drop in toy sales. And and now they want a monopoly on the D&D market. Well, D&D Monopoly is an entirely maker. different game. <laughs> which Does is Hasbro also, own Monopoly? I think. No, that's Parker Brothers. 
Oh, you're right. Ah. Damn me and my puns. Yeah, I was like, thanks, Shane. Just stomp all over it. <laughs> you hungry, but, hungry hippo. Easy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You and me are about to become battle bots here, friends. Oh, shit. Them's fighting words. Where How I come many board from. games can we name in one minute? Go. I don't know. There might be trouble. <laughs> Listen, Someone's, I'm sorry. Yeah, I figured someone might be. I got Uno. I got Uno ideas, so there you go. That's a card game. <laughs> Maybe not dose? A board game. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I got nothing then. No. I just had Othello? to get that off my chest, okay? Sorry. How can you make a pun with nope. Othello? Nope. That counts, yes. Don't nope. you shake your head no. Nope, uh, nope, nope. Not letting that getting No, because that's it. not a pun. No, I agree with him. It doesn't count. I had it's to get that off my chest? Chess? Yeah, just because you have a speech oh. impediment doesn't mean it qualifies <laughs> as a pun. <laughs> Anywho, so Hasbro's ruining it for everybody, as per usual. Pretty much. Uh, it all comes down to corporate greed. But they had there was a report in June of 2022 that said that they're... I can't talk. Now I'm the one stumbling over words. You're welcome, Michael. She is the Michael. <laughs> the third... So you're the host now? I am the host. Taking over. Congrats. Captain now. Look at me. Uh, Their consumer products posted a loss of $6.5 million. Mm. Yeah, millions of dollars is a lot, but $6.5 million, probably not a lot to Hasbro, considering how much Wizards of the Coast had in revenue over that year. Even though Hasbro was tanking wizards of the coast had their biggest quarter ever led by 15 percent growth in tabletop and 11 percent growth in magic the gathering yeah over the year uh 2021 to 2022 their revenue was only up three percent so they are their best performer but for a year's worth of growth three percent is not a lot uh still millions of dollars so it's a yeah. lot to us it, well, it, and you said that's um 419 million you say that's up 3%. So from 2020, 2021, it's yes. up 3%. Well, that could make sense, though, because I'm I'm sure it probably jumped significantly in 2020, probably compared to 2019, right? Just because I'm assuming that there was a huge blow up post-pandemic. So it would make sense that it would only go up 3% if it had a massive spike in 2020. But I'm just guessing that the pandemic would have resulted in the spike though i don't actually know if that's the case well i mean there's also probably something to be said for the fact that stranger things which kind of became the major part of the cultural zeitgeist shift brought it back to the forefront where people were reconsidering like oh yeah that D was a thing and hey it's fun now because we're not afraid of satan so let's all do it yeah that's true i did not look up the numbers for the previous year um getting even this information was kind of hard for free uh, like mm -hmm. they yeah there's many sites that make pay for this information. I'm like, no, I, just, yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Michael, Michael works for a research, research institution, so there's, so there's no, no way he'd be able, able to help you with that, with that, with that, that at all. But nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I don't do it myself. So, see, I would have helped you, but I've lost all my database access now. I'm just one of the regular. Pe I am a poor. As, oh, no. uh, as Courtney would say, I am drinking a Soleil sparkling water, so I've I've fallen pretty far now. I'm I'm down on the lower rung of the ladder. Okay, I can't have Liquid Death anymore because Target stopped carrying it, and I'm not paying Amazon prices. So, what? ooh, uh, they carry it. 
they carry it at Winco. I was yes, just there yes, today, they do. Mm-hmm. so you can you can definitely track it down there. Ah, bless Winco. I don't want to lose another one of our not sponsors. I know Bones is is, is also not paying the bills, but damn it, we're we're trying. So uh, liquid all death, we please. Here. Yes, we, we'll find a way to you. Please. Yes, I am a Bones house as well. Favorite flavor? Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas ones. It, I bought so any? many of those. Yeah. Is, is that why you were shaking your head? Like in disappointment when he mentioned the Wonder Wonder Bones. Yeah, because I've had it and I really don't like it. I'm sorry, Shane. Oh, interesting. Okay. I saw you shake your head in a no, and then when he proceeded to explain it, you kept shaking your head no. I'm like, oh, she has she has strong thoughts against this flavor. I have to check then. Maybe it's part of the Nightmare Before Christmas box set that I got. It's it's not. No, it's not. Okay. No, Wonder Wonder Bones was a flavor flavor that they did did, uh, a while while back. back. It was a it was a Halloween seasonal. It's an Oktoberfest thing. Is what it's tied to. I was so. going to say, it didn't look familiar when, when I saw it in the picture there, but okay, so not a good flavor then. It so. depends on opinion. your tastes. Like yeah. My if husband gone... loves it. He, he told me I couldn't get rid of it because I was going to give it to my mom. He said no. Uh, <laughs> so he likes it. I do not. It's just not my thing. Yeah, if we proved nothing from our Guns N' Roses discussion, uh, it, it's that, you know, taste is subjective. And, and change and one, is questionable, so the bad which, artist Jesse here might be the correct one here. Yeah, I did allow you on this show, so I guess there is living proof of I might be out of my mind. I, I, if memory serves correct, it was Michael that asked. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, and I allowed it to happen. Don't compare my yeah. taste about anything to anyone. If you're still it trying to get me to quit, I will be leaving in about oh. five minutes anyway, so y'all oh, can just get the hell out of here. Oh. Anyway, oh. no, Wonder Bones is fantastic, and I'd recommend you try before you formulate an opinion. No, for but sure. I, I'm definitely going to. I. Uh, assuming that it's still around, you said that it might be on its way out. I don't so know. I, that was purely speculation. Well, it, it, on no, my it part. was it was a seasonal. I, I I got an email from them because I'm subscribed to their newsletter that uh, it was a seasonal, and so it will be gone. Most likely, we'll be back for the fall, but oh, it's just damn. a seasonal. That's all. Yeah, this is what I get for you know interjecting my my personal little information in the beginning of the show now we are officially the bones podcast (laughs) and not that show that was only mildly entertaining for some folks but anyway david boyans so yeah we'll we'll get into what is wrong with the new (laughs) ogl (laughs) send me an angel right now (laughs) um so the leaked uh ogl 1.1 is a 15 page document versus the original which is only two now that stands out to me as a little suspect because when the rumors started about a new ogl coming they wizards of the coast said we want to update the language so it is more transparent and it's Uh clear on what's covered and what's not fair you need 15 pages to do that that's a lot of transparency if their numbering system has proved anything, they are not efficient. <laughs> 1.0a does not strike me as the best way to approach something. It's like a subheading. Yeah. So we're not going to go over all 15 pages. We'd be here for weeks, probably, trying mm-hmm. to break that all down. So we're just going to talk about what the community has the most issue with. Uh, number one thing being revoking the original OGL. Uh, we're going to talk about license back provisions and the royalty structure. Soul. First off, revoking the OGL. 
when fourth edition was released, it was under a completely new license, but the OGL 1.0A stuck around. It wasn't deauthorized. People still continued to publish under it. And so the claim that they can just decide it to deauthorize it, even though people believe that is impossible, is kind of freaking them out. And even according to an old Wizards of the Coast FAQ page, if you use the Wayback Machine, it even Ooh. says there that they're not going to deauthorize it. They can't. People would just hmm. ignore it. And I read through this document a few times. I feel like it bounces between some legal language and plain speech, so it was hard to find where it states that they're going to deauthorize it, but it is in Section 10. It says, for both commercial and non-commercial, this agreement along with the OGL non-commercial and update to the previous available OGL 1.0a, which is no longer an authorized agreement. And along with it, they say we can modify or terminate this agreement for any reason whatsoever, provided we give 30 days notice. So yes. not only do they want to deauthorize the old one, they want to make this one just something they can change willy nilly, which freaks a lot of people, especially publishers out. Oh, well, like, yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if that's your main source of income and the fact that your whole industry can be toppled with just 30 days notice. Yeah, I would definitely be terrified. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it gives me bad feels. It doesn't sit right with me either, and I'm not even a publisher. I don't make money off of D and D. Yeah, it makes you wonder how much, uh, you know, platforms like Patreon or other things that are finally allowing creators to somewhat monetize their material a little more readily is playing into this as well. Because, I mean, you'd, you'd imagine that they were bleeding as much as they can out of the secondary publishers that are already using their stuff as a derivative. So maybe they're getting upset that all of the, the homespun stuff is starting to become a little more accessible. I would have to agree with you. There are provisions in this that say that you can have Patreon subscribers, but you cannot have Patreon exclusive content, which ah. is the whole point for having a Patreon, I feel right. like, is yeah. providing that exclusive content. Mm -hmm. So if they cannot provide D&D &D <laughs> supplementary materials as exclusive content, like why would they have a Patreon? Oh, they probably they specified that because then you are now gate gating it behind paywalls. And that's the only thing that the only person that can do that is Hasbro themselves. Mm. So, oh, that's how they can mask it under the you know we did this for equality and you know, inclusivity. I see. Mm. That's that's a, that's actually a smart sales pitch. It's obviously BS, but it's a smart sales uh, uh, pitch to try to yeah. you know it's a good give tactical it that choice. Yeah, we only want open source stuff unless we're publishing it, and then we want your money. Yeah. yeah. I would be surprised if the previous two page, I haven't read the previous uh, OGL, but I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in that there was some sort of language allowing themselves uh, the ability to re revise it at some point, though. So I'm not surprised that this one would like, you know, make the previous one, if this one actually ever went into effect, would make the other one null and void. That would I be expected. I can't remember, was Wizards of the Coast owned by Hasbro in 2000? Because that would be... That would be like a big, big different thing if Wizards of the Coast was its own separate entity and they were just bought out by Hasbro between the original OGL one and now. Um, because if they like Wizards of the Coast is a very open like they they do a lot of 
they do a lot of stuff like this where they just like I, it feels the the company that they've established for years and the community that they've helped foster has been very open about their stuff. So I feel like if it was just them writing this OGL 20 some odd years ago, I feel like they wouldn't have had a stipulation where they could change it any time. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily that they wouldn't change it, but that they wouldn't, they, they, they would have like a stipulation that they could change it at any notice at any point in time. They just have to give notice. They well, just, I, there's something that also I think you can draw parallels. Obviously, this is a there's a cumulative effect happening, but like you can even look at the state of publishing right now, and probably that has a major impact because you know we're losing people actually buying physical material anymore. It's you know not a lot of folks are going to spend seventy to eighty dollars to get a guide when True. like eh, no, I can just download something similar or I can get somebody else's guide. It's like yeah, I'll spend five dollars for something that's an electronic version as opposed to have this and. So there's a lot of languishing that is probably contributing to this on, you know, on the whole or holistically. Yeah. To answer your question, Michael, I looked it up. Hasbro bought Wizards of the Coast in September of 1999. Oh, okay. So depending on when third edition came out, they might have already been in like the works with OGL because it is a, a legal document. Yeah, and, and that it's takes not something time in, to put together yeah. and lawyers and all this other nonsense. So that is actually that would be an interesting thing to look into further. Um, but it's neither here nor there right now. Um, just interesting to think about. Okay, sorry for my distraction. No worries. <laughs> uh, there was also a lot of staff changes at Wizards of the Coast. So the former vice president Ryan Dancy is also the creator of the original OGL. Uh, he's no longer works for Wizards in any capacity, but he doesn't believe that Hasbro has the power to deauthorize a version of the OGL as the original was intended to be binding in perpetuity. And oh, it didn't state anywhere in there that it was irrevocable. So I think that's where Hasbro is like, eh, got you. Yeah. But in perpetuity, to me, means forever, not you know forever until the Hasbro gods say they, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But did the document itself say in per- yeah, that's, perpetuity, that's... or did it, or is it just an assumption on on there? And I guess because I can't imagine any lawyer drawing up any sort of contract that would just have this go on, you know, for the rest of time without any sort of possibility of revising it or you know shying away from it if need be, uh, especially if Hasbro already owned them by that point. And it does make sense to me just to be able to give yourself the ability to revise it, maybe more than thirty days. That seems a little. You know, short Wait. notice there, <laughs> but well, that's more for the general public consumption. I'm sure yeah, they yeah, have they, things in play prior to that. Yeah, but. they would have it done and ready to go, and then they would say, "Okay, this is what is happening." Yeah, like a zoning commission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that gives a decent organic spot for me to step out here. But I hope y'all have fun. Enjoy yourselves. I will say one thing before you leave. Mm-hmm. I did find on Etsy anal beads that are shaped from D4 <laughs> to D20. Um, and, and I looked at it and I verified it is D4 to D20 
starting at the end and working its way up. You're going to want to so. clear your search history lest your wife come on to like buy something from Etsy oh, later I'll, and be like, I'll, what was he viewing? <laughs> I'll tell her, but also I use safe, or no, safe search is off. Sorry. I don't play by the rules. Uh, I incognito mode is, is where go. it's at. Yeah. So. You're you're also going to want to uh, to roll for some sort of protection, I think. It is so. Etsy. Etsy is safe. That's why I'm I just was saying totally before okay. you insert, you're going to oh, want to yeah. roll for protection. Yes, yeah. Sanitize let's hope, that, my friend. Let's hope you don't get crit fails the whole way up. <sighs> oh, God. Oh, well, there's something for you to think about for the rest of the evening there, Shane. <laughs> And I believe that is going to close the cover on this stellar installment of the Disinformed Podcast. We thank you all for being here as per usual. There's a link tree down in the show notes that you can go to if you want to find all of our irrelevant or relevant socials. And you can follow us there. And please, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to the show because it helps us out. And of course, it gets new episodes winging your way every lovely Monday morning as soon as they hit the airwaves. And then, of course, if you could like, subscribe, rate, and review, we would love to hear from you. And beyond that, we hope that you have a wonderful week. And so, for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane. And I'm Michael. I'm, Michael. <laughs> I'm Jesse. And zippity-zoop, we're out of here. 